0: What is going on, everyone? Welcome to episode three of Black Creatives Take Hollywood, conversations on industry representation from the perspective of Black storytellers. I am your host, Casey Davis, and I am so glad to be back for another episode. Black Creatives Take Hollywood is being brought to you by my production company, Black Mind Productions. For those that don't know, Black Mind Productions is a media platform that is home to writing, directing, producing, podcasts, photography, and soon-to-come, short films and documentaries. Black Creatives Take Hollywood is a podcast that is home to raw and authentic conversations with current and upcoming Black creatives who have dreams of being in Hollywood. As we all know, the film industry is a wonderful place that is full of passion, drive, purpose, imagination, but most of all, stories. But in this industry, the representation of Black creatives on and off the screen is scarce. I am an upcoming content creator and filmmaker who amongst others is breaking in the industry with hopes to help bridge this gap. With this podcast, you can expect to hear from a wide variety of black writers, directors, producers, cinematographers, editors, actors, and even more. You can expect a new guest every week for one hour of conversation where we discuss films, television, their passion for the industry, and their perspective on representation within the industry. So, let's jump right on in. I have the great pleasure of introducing this week's guest and one of my oldest friends, Asha Davis. She is a producer who is currently working on her MFA degree in film and television producing at Columbia University. So, hey Asha, welcome. Hi, so happy (laughs) to be
1: here. How you feeling? I'm feeling great, feeling Excited, the um, semester's taking its end and I'm ready to relax. <laughs> oh my
0: God, I know that feeling. See, Asha, amongst you know, our past guests, she's not one that really gets nervous. No. Um, for those that don't know Me and Asha have known each other since we were 14 mm-hmm. uh, Beginning of high school And like we have the same last name So people always thought we were sisters They did Because we both wear glasses We both used to wear our hair like long mm-hmm, We did <laughs> We used to always sit next to each other Because we had assigned seats And we were either next to each other Or, or right be- like behind one another Davis and Davis mm-hmm. It was crazy The dream team And then we we did our undergrad together at CMU um, and we did our first masters together at CMU as well and so Asha has been with me through this entire process of like radio news, news. film yep. <laughs> so she is a bomb producer and I'm so excited to have her on the show we've won radio shows together we in sure awards yes. she's produced for radio and I host this so now I have the pleasure of having her on this platform where um, she's going to be talking about her journey with producing. So to start us off, can you begin with introducing yourself to our listeners, telling them who you are, what you do?
1: Yeah, so as Casey mentioned, my name is Asha Davis. I am a film and television producer. Um, I started my journey out in radio. Um, I started in undergrad just working in radio and fell in love with a lot of behind-the-scenes work. Of just media content. And so then I took a class and got more into the broadcasting realm, working with like TV and news. And that kind of continued on my love for like working behind the scenes and helping people create content. Um, and so I just kept on going and did that and focused on film and television and news and radio. And I've been working in media for literally all of my college, undergrad, my first master's, and this master's career. Um, and so I came here to. Um, Chicago to go to Columbia College and work in the film and television producing aspect just because I felt like my other two degrees gave me more radio and TV work, but not as much film work. Mm -hmm. Um, I did a lot of film research, learning about genre, studying storytelling, doing screenwriting. But I wanted to kind of get that on-set experience, and so coming to Columbia, I've been yeah. able to do that in a, so many ways. Um, and being a producer is the hardest job in the industry because mm-hmm. you are the person that is pulling everybody together to make it happen, um, but I really enjoy that. I really like being able to work with another person and say, like, here's your story, let me make it come to life. So. I am the logistical human of the group. Um, people do not want to do that; they don't want to do a budget <laughs> and spreadsheets, but I do. So, yeah, that's kind of my journey on how I got here.
0: Yeah, she's the she's the person that. Thank you for sharing. Um, <laughs> she's the person that you go to for all of the extra like logistics. Yes, when things go wrong, yeah. I get called. She gets the call. All the counting the money, don't call me for that. (laughs) (laughs) Don't, um, you know, I mean, I don't know. Like, I've produced stuff before, but, like, this is her, like, avenue. That so, is, yeah. It's something that
1: I feel like people, you got to want it and you have mm-hmm. to have a calling for it. I don't tell everybody to be a producer because mm-hmm. it's not a job. It's not, I feel like directing, cinematography, and screenwriting all have these weights to them that are already set in stone. With producing, the weight is all over. Mm-hmm. And if you're not able to adapt in seconds, it can really change how you're producing. And so I tell people, if you're going to produce, take it slow, find your niche, and go with it. Don't just go in thinking, like, I can produce anything. Like, no. Because producing is not the same as directing. With directing, you have a vision. You have a goal. You have shots. And you focus mm-hmm. on those. Producing could literally be, you know, oh, our actor didn't show up. Well, we need to call in a new one. And someone's got to get that person there and find yeah. out their dietary needs. And also pay for their meal. And, yeah, it's yeah. it's definitely a lot.
0: It's, it's very interesting, like, the producing aspect. Because um, I feel like... Me being a cinematography student, like we touch every avenue, like, of course, focusing on cinematography as my concentration. They make sure we stay within cinematography, so we do a lot of um assignments where and projects where we're focusing on shots, Mm -hmm. like how to carry a shot, how to create a shot visually, and then. We focus on, like, lighting. Like, I mean, the lighting team is in the same aspect, but it's, like, a completely different team. Like, they're with the camera department, but it's, like, they are the ones who make sure whatever is on that storyboard or in that script is... The color is correct, the mood is set, the tone is set visually for audiences to see. And I think with producing, like you said, producers are all over the place especially when it comes to the pre-production phase yeah
1: like the camera you need needs to be rented out by the producer mm-hmm. the equipment that grip and electric need needs to be rented out by the producer mm-hmm. and also funded mm-hmm. so y'all can't do y'all jobs if i don't have the equipment ready
0: for you to do your job exactly yeah. even even down to like what we gonna eat yeah <laughs> like and what time you gonna eat right it. <laughs> Make sure show we on time. Like, yeah, of course, sure. the, the AD is there to... Right. The ADs are there to make sure that the schedule is going. But, you know, the producers would be like, all right. It's going to be ready at 1245. Okay. It's going to be delivered by 1250. <laughs> y'all need to be at lunch okay. at 1. <laughs> by 1240, y'all need to make sure y'all doing them last little wrap-ups. wrap-ups. <laughs> <laughs> and then get into it. So, with when it comes to your process on how you produce... What does that look like? Because I know every producer is different. Every every yes. filmmaker, no matter what um, your specialty is within the industry, everybody's process is completely different. Yes, I love this question. Actually, <laughs> I've been I've been asked it recently
1: because um, I feel like my approach is very. It's very humbling. When I meet with a director, if a director comes to me and says, I have this idea, I want you to produce it. Before we even before I even look at a script, I establish ground rules on how producing and directing work. Because I've met directors who don't know how to work with a producer. Everybody is taught how to direct, but not people aren't taught how to work with a director and vice versa, mm-hmm. with producers. So I establish what my job is, right? I'm not people's coffee runner. I'm not a PA. I'm a producer. So I will help with crafty and lunch, but I'm not the person going running around getting it. Exactly. Does that make sense? So mm-hmm. I sit down with my director and say, Here, here's the limitations of my job. Here are the things that I will help with. Here are things that I cannot do. Here are things that I know. Here are things that I'm not proficient in. And then I give them that working kind of system. Once I give that, I start to say, okay, where are you with your script? is it close to what you want it to be? Are you going to make another pass of it? And mm-hmm. how long is that process going to take? Because I don't want to start giving out scripts to all these departments if you're not if you're going to change it 15 20 times, right? Right. Once I get a script and it's in the system I want, I start going out while the the director or writer is writing, I go out and start pulling teams. I start finding people who want to be a part of it. I always choose my own group of people when it comes to films because I know people who get jobs done. Sometimes you you worry about who someone chooses because mm-hmm. the question is, are they going to show up and are they going to get the job done, right? right? So, like, I've called on you for stuff, right? I've called on other folks that have been on this podcast before, like, hey, can you be a part of this film in this way? And... The next thing after that, once I get people, I get the departments, I start working with the director about what are the dates, how long is it going to take, how much money do you have in your budget, how much money are you willing to spend. And the first question I ask everybody, what is our budget for crafting? I don't care about anything else until I know how you feed people. Okay, because people got to eat. And people got (laughs) to eat. And I tell people all the time. Your film can be it's super beautiful with a nice camera and lenses and equipment Lighty and lighting. But if actress, you don't give mm-hmm. people a hearty meal to feel energetic to do it and be on set, I'm that producer that cares about those things. Yeah, And you don't meet a lot of producers that care about that. So I, I tend to go forth and say, so what about crafty? And what does crafty look like? Don't just give people some chips and some fruit snacks. Where's the fruit? Where's the bagels? Where's the coffee? Where's Mm -hmm. the water? You know, Mm -hmm. once I figure out what we logistically have, I make a timeline with every director. Here's what we're doing on this day. Here's what we're getting done by this month. Here's what we're getting done by this month. I'm working on a film now where we are shooting in March and we have a locked script and they're working on a shot list. I've got the team. The team is doing some storyboarding. Some folks are doing costume and wardrobe. Mm-hmm. Everybody is in their department doing their part. And I even set a deadline. Like, I know we're on break right now, but these deadlines have to be met. Um, and so I kind of make sure that all of those things are kind of in place. Then we get to production day. And my main concern is usually how are people getting there? Mm-hmm. Do they have transportation? Do we need to provide it? Um, are we reimbursing people for gas? And I'm focusing on those day-to-day operations with the AD. And then we're kind of communicating back and forth Like okay is this lunch Ready to be picked up or is it going to be delivered And what time is it going to be delivered And who's picking it up that kind of thing Um, So I go after it very like A mother where I'm like are these things done Are these things done Um, And then by the end of production I always like to get feedback from people about their Experience because not every film Set is going to be great (laughs) as you know right? right? You've experienced it But I think even the Worst ones have been very learning for me like okay this is what I would not do again here's what I would change here's how I would change working with these people um and from there I always check in with the director about post-production what's your plan yeah they may not need me to be a part of it and that's totally fine but I still want to know that it's getting done and someone should be holding them accountable um and so my biggest thing with my my approach is accountability you know I cannot express enough if you come to me without a locked script and you want to shoot in three months we what are we talking (laughs) about right right. because you can't just hand me a script that quick and be like produce it right no I have to have time I'm also working on my own personal projects right my own content um but I also go I also have this philosophy in my life that like there are stories that need to be told Mm -hmm. how they get told is up to me and so when a producer Um, goes in with a mindset of like okay I'm just gonna have the worst time then yeah you are I go in with a clear mindset no matter what about I want to eventually just get this story made for you right um and so whatever I could do to aid to that is, is how I approach it now I will tell you though I don't just take any crap from anybody when people um disrespect people on set or they don't I tend to be the one to go and have a conversation with the director about it um and so like that film said that you know we, me, and you have talked about right. Like I sat down with the director and said, "I just yeah. want you to know these things happen, and they were told to me. So you, as a director, should improve on that if you want them to. If you want people to ever work with you again, yeah. And I also want people to tell me how I am as a producer. Yeah. I always ask, is there anything I could have done differently for you? Is there anything you think I should have done? And most people go, no, you're great. Like you get it's like, no, I don't want you to tell me that. I want exactly. You to tell me things that I could use. And so one of my directors told me you know what, there's one thing that I would like you to improve on and that was, like, self-care. And I was like, oh, okay, great. Like, thank you for telling me that because I take my job seriously. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah,
0: that's kind of how I approach it. I like, it's a few things that you said. I like how you made it a point, like, unapologetically to say, like, food is number one because I feel like what people on the outside looking in don't realize is that, The actors themselves are under so much pressure to perform. Yeah. And the crew is also under so much pressure to deliver the story. Right. And so when you have like 10-hour days, 12-hour days, 14-hour days, you are not taking a break until halfway through Mm -hmm. whatever that time frame is. So if you're on a 14-hour shoot, Nine times out of ten, you're probably not going to take that break until, like, the sixth or seventh hour. So, at that point, it's like you are exhausted. So, whatever you're eating is going to give you whatever... Nutrients. Like, nutrients, Mm -hmm. that second wind that you're going to have. But I think what I've seen happen a lot, at least being in film school, or I've heard, like, horror stories from, (laughs) like, different students, it's like... They've gotten on sets where they've they had to be on set for like 10 hours or 12 hours and it's like okay if I'm on set for 10 hours we're not taking our lunch until hour 5 which right. is like whatever and they're fine with that but then it's like the issue is it wasn't the lunch it was the fact that we got to set at seven, eight o'clock in the morning, and there was no breakfast. Okay, because you need some coffee. <laughs> okay. you, gotta, you gotta have coffee. Yeah, it's like, or tea, or like, Water. there was no bagels, no muffins, like something to where it's going to give people that initial boost to, to say, through. okay, because like we're waking up at like five o'clock in the morning. To get there by to get seven, there. to set up
1: by eight, to have mm-hmm. our shot by nine. Right. And, and you gotta so feed two people. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta get
0: to... something in your system. And then you also mentioned that, like, um, you're like the mother on set. And I've said, you know, in the past few episodes that, like, we filmmakers, in general, we're very particular about our craft. Mm -hmm. We're very sensitive. Oh, my God. And we treat every aspect, but especially our specialty, like it's our child. It literally is our baby. Because... I think a lot of people look at films and television shows and of like the story. They're just like, oh, it's a story. Like, you can just make it up and write it. But it's more to it than just coming up with a storyline and writing it. Because you have to develop the story, you have to be able to create. one a storyline that makes sense Mm -hmm. but then from that point (laughs) it's got to be good you have to make sure that it's good it sells that you're going to have audience members that are talking about it whether good or bad but you want to make sure you have ratings you want to make sure it gets reviews but you also want to make sure that the story that you're telling even if it's something that you've seen before multiple times how is my story going to be different than what we've already seen right how am I going to write these characters to resonate to everyday life in reality and then from there it comes to okay who can I get to create this vision mm-hmm. you know visually for audience members from paper to screen right but then that's where that director comes in on how you know they help with casting how the actor's can embody that character and study that character and make that character real. Yeah. But then that's where the cinematographers come in, where it's like, okay, I know what this says on the script, but now I need your help to create mm-hmm. the shot, create the pieces. Then you need the lighting department to come in. And then you need producers to make sure that everything <laughs> is lined up because without that producer, it's like you, you gotta take fifty steps back because you can't be go there. from the writer straight to post production. No, like you there's like major steps in between, mm-hmm. and um, I think something you also said too was like asking for feedback after you finished being on a set. Yeah, and that's something that I'm taking with me today because I know that I'm very sensitive about. Like work, and I'm a perfectionist at heart. Mm-hmm. So when thing when the slightest thing goes wrong, or like I feel like I messed up on something, I don't like shut down or anything. But I instantly think in my head, like, damn, they're probably never going to ask me to do right. it again. And that's probably not the case. No, it's just like it's all a learning process. Yeah, and I think that every set that you're on, whether it's for a documentary, a short film, or a feature film, or a, a television, you know, show set or something like every set that you're on it's better to walk away learning something even if you make mistakes than try to go in and try to be the perfect person yeah um because i feel like the the industry is built for mistakes and yeah. I, I feel like it's purposely there yeah and um i was saying a few episodes ago like i feel like um when it comes to constructive criticism i think being in film school, it's helping me as well as, like, other people I've been in, like, I have classes with. It's helping us build that tough skin yeah. for constructive criticism. Because there's definitely a difference. Like, I've been in situations in school where the constructive criticism was received well. Mm-hmm. But then I've also been in situations where the criticism was more so, like, judgment. Yeah. Or you, somebody wanting to, like... Put Put their story, like, on to mine and change it. Right. And so I think the constructive criticism comes harder for people starting off trying to break in the industry because we take the constructive out Mm -hmm. and we just only listen to the criticism. And it's not meant, like, all criticism, all constructive criticism isn't meant to be taken literal. Like, just because someone's giving you constructive criticism, that doesn't mean, like, that's them telling you what you have to change but I feel like even if it's something that you don't like you are able to take like pieces away and learn from and each learn piece. from those different things yeah. so um yeah you said a lot of like good things that I feel like our listeners can relate on mm-hmm. just like knowing exactly what you what to do and how to get it done and then that accountability comes in like you said and then also that organization yeah you gotta go in
1: with them with the mindset of like it's it's an experience yeah i don't go in thinking like this is gonna be you know a top-notch moment like i worked on a tv pilot and none of those people knew me and I was like, I'm just going to give them the best version of Asha that I can. Mm-hmm. And when you give people that, no matter what happens, like I had made a mistake. And he was like, oh, no, it's fine. It's okay. We took care of it. And right. at the end, I felt bad. And when he, the director, messaged me, I was like, I just want to let you know you were phenomenal. Like everything you did was just amazing for us. And we wouldn't have made it without you. Like it's moments like that where I'm like, okay. I may make a mistake, something may happen, but I'm going to leave this set knowing that I did my part and I gave them my mm-hmm. all and anything that I can change, that's just things that you just change for the next set. But it, I left that set with so many connections and those people loved working with me and one of them is actually going to work with me soon on another project because of the great you know, atmosphere we had on set. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: And I feel like with accountability and organization within any... Field that you're in In the industry I feel like transparency Mm -hmm. Is also needed Because I've had Several situations where Like I've came to you Through a text like Okay I know what I'm doing But things are not Going as planned (laughs) So before I make this mistake What's next? I'm letting you know it's about to be a mistake (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) But and I've always said to you, yeah, you like got how, this. Yeah, don't
1: worry about it, because I know the kind of person mm-hmm. you are. I know the kind of content creator you are. So it's not a mistake to me. It's just another thing we just got to do. And if it works, it works. And if it doesn't, then okay, which I agree. Right,
0: <laughs> I definitely I agree with that. And I think like even going on different sets and being transparent with. Your crew, Yeah. And saying, like, okay, this is a little bit different for me. Like, I've never done this type of genre before, or I haven't had my hat like this. Because every set that you go on is definitely going to be different. Every director is not the same. Right, every DP's. Every producer is not the same. Every DP is not the same. Every um, production designer. Yeah, every actor is not the same. No. You have some that are strictly, like, trained like from the theater Mm -hmm. you have some that are not (laughs) trained from the theater you have some that have been in the business for 10-15 years you have some that have been in it for five minutes so every (laughs) everybody is different so every set that you go on is definitely like it can be a roller coaster absolutely it can be a roller coaster so if you can name your favorite black producers um, Mm -hmm. who would they be and how do you relate to them as a producer that's a good question Um, first of all
1: Jordan Peele is probably one of my heroes Mm -hmm. Um, what he is doing to psychological thrillers as a genre is different it's defining and I think it's amazing see (laughs) and your audience doesn't know this so like the genres that I like are Sci-fi, fantasy Dystopian films I'm not into rom-coms I'm not into coming-of-age stories I'm not into depressing trauma Stuff like that, I'm just not into it Because mm-hmm. um, I didn't grow up watching it um, That's And that's the weird thing About being a black producer I didn't grow up watching a lot of black-only television. You know, I've seen, like, Fresh Prince. I've seen Martin. I've seen The Cosby Show. You've seen the classics. That's so Mm -hmm. raven, right? But, like, I didn't grow up watching Living Single. I didn't watch Living Single until I was older. You know, I didn't... I watched my wife and kids. But, see, my dad um, is a huge nerd. He's into, like, anything about science, anything about fantasy. So all the people, all the things that I watch are in that. My mom is, like... In the opposite, she's like the rom-com hallmark woman, and I'm like my dad and <laughs> I. Opposite. right? My dad and I read Marvel comics together, so I'm mm-hmm. into superhero stuff. So I would definitely say Jordan Peele is one of my all-time favorites because he is in a genre that they don't really think black people are usually a part of, and I mm-hmm. think that's why I enjoy his work because he's defining it in his own way. And movies like Nope and Get Out and us are just like comp- like the messages are like going way over people's heads they don't even see them yeah but he's he's intertwining like social issues with horror and it's and it's gorgeous so I would definitely say Jordan Peele um Quinta right now Ooh, That's my girl. that's my girl and I love that she's giving comedy this twist she's making it comedy but she's also making it real and it's Reality. like Abbott Elementary right now is just like it's fun. It's, it's the it's, show. It's the show and I also feel like I can watch it and not feel like it's a black trauma mm-hmm. moment. It's not mm-hmm. capitalizing on that. It's just teachers being funny, being goofy, working in a public school, which mm-hmm. like we know exactly what that life is right like. So I would say Quinta is definitely in there. Um I love Shonda I think she's just an amazing producer a lot of her content is rooted in some of that trauma sometimes like scandal and how to get away with murder Mm -hmm. but she chooses women that are redefining acting and I think people like Viola and Carrie Mm -hmm. even though they were in those kind of roles they gave a performance and I think Shonda writes those characters to give performances so that they win but also she jumped into Bridgerton, which was like completely different from mm-hmm. what we've seen from her. And I think seeing that versatility for me is like everything for me. Um, so I really love Shonda. Um, I would also say huh, it's hard because there's not as many producers that I like superly talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that Ava DuVernay is another I love one. love She's just really good at, um, really, and I think since her stories are about the hardships of being black in America, yeah. but she doesn't do it in a way where I f- walk away from it feeling like, dang, I can't make it because this is the way the world defines me. Mm-hmm. I think she's more so like educating people about it and, and giving people that opportunity to learn. So I think Ava DuVernay is... Just doing really good work there. I mean, I don't know if people have seen when they see us. It. It's hard to watch, but it was really good. It was done and it was told in a way. Yeah. Um, And most recently, I've actually had the pleasure of working with Tamara Simmons, who is the executive producer of Surviving Our Kelly. And I've kind of looked at her and, and thought about, like, as a producer, she is what I want to be. She She's somebody that took on a hard task, and did it well. And so, um, Tamara Simmons is... is is She came out with that documentary. And she knew it was going to do what it did. Mm-hmm. She knew it was going to break. And she knew that it was going to be hurtful to people because of the, the story. But hurtful in a way that they feel like they understand what these people went through. And I think Tamara yeah. Simmons is, is definitely up there. So,
0: yeah, those are my five. Yeah. I think you named more people so far than the guests I've had before. I think a lot of people, I don't want to say get trumped on that question, but that's not the question that we were talking about before we started, oh, okay. that you'll get stuck yeah. on. But, <laughs> um, I think that, like, when you talk about, like, who your favorite producers are and the genres that they write, I like how you can appreciate their work, whether they're writing just like, kind of feeding into trauma or whether it's like sci-fi and things like that. Because I think it's important for filmmakers for our like creative palette to be as expanded as it can be. And I think that like, when you talk about like Shonda um, and like her writing, I feel like where she does write within those genres. She also knows how to write that character, mm-hmm. like you said, to come out or to to build and grow. Um, there are other, you know, producers out there who we talk about on the side <laughs> who um, they do their thing. Have written black women to be in trauma and trauma only, yeah. and it's like a repeated pattern. And like with me, every every filmmaker is different. Like some people only want to do horror and it's like okay great i'm not a horror person mm-hmm. like i you i've i've i you know dabbled in a little bit but that's not my strong suit don't give me none of that scary stuff i don't like it i don't watch it <laughs> but i even think like if even if you are someone who's writing stories where traumatic things happen i think um where yes it's about that story like you just have to make sure that the story is being told where the character can grow yeah. and build. Yeah. And I um, think Shonda does that perfectly. Very, she does that very well to where some people initially might look at it like, oh my God, this is happening again. But it's not her depicting or stereotyping the black woman to be this on purpose. It's like, okay, we see her go through this. This is reality. This happens all the time. But this is how she is going to grow mm-hmm. as a black woman. Right um and i think that's like really important my dad well i we me and asha have been friends for a long time so we relate on that aspect of like the different worlds and the sci-fi yeah. cuz like you said your we dad's a big up. nerd yeah right. like my dad grew up um so he's a huge action person my mom is too like they can do like the like the black Romantic comedies and the romance movies, like they can do the Love Jones and the Best Man, like they like stories like that. Mm-hmm. But my dad, he's like a person that's really big on documentaries, especially when it's about history. My yeah. dad knows history like the back of his hand. You could ask him something about the most random war, and he'll you know about it. Like hear about, and he'll know. Oh, on January nineteenth, eighteen fifty four. <laughs> Like, right, my dad how do you just like that know too. that? They just do. Yeah, and like, I told my dad all the time, like, I feel like he should have been a history teacher because mm-hmm. he knows so much. And then next to documentaries, he has like action films. Right. Your dad likes superhero movies. Yes, he loves DC. He loves Marvel. He loves Marvel more. But, as she should. He, <laughs> <I'm> right. <laughs> but, you know, he's a huge DC person. He's had countless comics and he was you know a little boy he grew up on comics but then he also loves that like sci-fi like yeah. i grew up watching star wars i grew up watching star trek <laughs> so Gate, like, yeah, like. yeah so he knows like every like he knows mm-hmm. something about everything now when it gets to all those like he could do a comedy but he he'll prefer to watch like stand-up comedians yeah. as opposed to like a, a funny, funny movie like comedy movie um, and then he also helped us like grow up on black shows, like even when they were in syndication, like the Moishas, the, you know, family matters, the Martins, everything like that. So I feel like we both come from very interesting mm-hmm. backgrounds where we haven't seen it all, right. but we've seen a lot. A lot.
1: Yeah. I think a lot of people always assume that like, I grew up on black TV and I'm like, no I didn't and most people
0: assume that because when they see that we're black they assume they assume like oh so you must have seen every single black movie from the 90s no no. I've seen a majority of them and
1: some of them some (laughs) of them I didn't see because my parents some of them I saw because other friends or other people like Mm -hmm. in college introduced me to them Mm -hmm. like i didn't start really watching girlfriends until like you would talk about it and i had seen small episodes here and there but it was never on in my house like at all um and i think that's the weird thing is like sometimes as a filmmaker I always get nervous when, I, when I'm when i around other black filmmakers that everyone thinks that I'm supposed to know those shows. Yeah. And then I meet people who are like, nope, I don't know them either. And yeah. I'm like, great. Because yeah. I don't want us to feel like that's the only content that we could be taking in. Those shows are great because they have that representation. But like I said, I'm a sci-fi girl. Like, yeah. I was watching Star Trek and Stargate and Star Wars and Marvel and shows like C and Game of Thrones like that stuff is what I enjoy those are yeah. the contents that I watch like right now I'm finishing up the crown and people are like why do you care about the royal family I'm like it's not that I care about it. I just I'm interested in period pieces yeah. I grew up on watching documentaries about yeah. history those things just interest me I don't watch a lot of content that's outside of those kind of things because mm-hmm. that's what I enjoy. Um, like i'm watching the witcher it's a great show it's based on a video game and like you would never know how good it is until you step out of your comfort zone i watch things in every genre i will never say no to something unless it's like super gory or something that yeah. i know would give me nightmares like all that extra horror right stuff. but like and even I, there are mm-hmm. horror films that i've seen that i thoroughly enjoy me like too. babadook and i've seen um drag me to hell like i've seen it and and I've watched them and went okay all right I watched it and now that's right, done that's it <laughs> so no, I'm done yeah people can like things that are not the the stereotypical thing and no one's saying that there's something wrong with that like that like there are Tyler Perry movies that I enjoy to this day because I grew up watching them they were on for Christmas mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean those are the only kind of films that I would want to make you know yeah
0: for sure and I think having that um, that transparency is like Needed because I feel like a lot of people who aren't in the industry, I think they automatically assume, like even if you're like an actor or an actress, like they think because we're in this field that we're supposed to like every genre, we're supposed to like every writer, every it's like or you're supposed to tell that story. Yeah, and And it's it's like like, I
1: didn't, I no, I did not grow up poor. I grew up in a working class family with two loving parents. Um, I don't have siblings, but I, there are a lot of black struggle that I didn't go through. And Mm -hmm. so I don't want to take away from people who did go through that. I'm not saying I couldn't make those stories, but I don't have those lived experiences. So I'm not prone to making those kind of stories because it wasn't my experience. Um, I come from a divorced household. So, you know, I could talk about what that was like, but again, those aren't things that I don't want to make a movie about my experience being from a divorced household. I don't think I need to relive that. I already dealt with it when I was a kid. I don't want to make a movie that reflects it because I think someone's already done that for me. Yeah. And I want to make movies about dysfunctional groups that represent divorces but you wouldn't know about it because the twist doesn't automatically come out with it Exactly. and so when I write my scripts a lot of them have those elements but they're very hidden nuggets like how Jordan Peele does it where you're like wow that represents that I didn't Mm -hmm. even realize that until later you Mm -hmm. know
0: and I think too with with black stories I think people automatically assume that (laughs) if you're black in the industry that we all come from the exact same place. Right. But everyone's story is not the same. Everyone's trauma is not the same. No. Everyone's experiences are not the same. So it's like, yeah, some people could want to write about um, a girl, girl who came up with the drug-addicted mother. Mm-hmm. But it might be harder for them to write it if they didn't grow up with drugs around them as opposed to somebody who actually lived it. Like, right. the experience is different, so the tone of the story is going to be different. Right. Um, and I think that it people automatically assume, too, because you're black, that you're supposed to know every black film. But in, I'll be in class and, like, they'll ask, like, my professors are predominantly white. Well, every professor I've had thus far in film school was white except for one, which is my screenwriting professor. But they all assume, like, they'll be naming off, like, people in the industry, and the black people, we don't know who it is. Not that we're uneducated or because we don't care. It's just like, one, it's so many people in the industry, so many mm-hmm. hidden gems. But two, a lot of times it's like people that share their experiences with movies that we didn't grow don't watch or right. didn't grow up with. And so I grew up watching a lot of black TV, a mm-hmm. lot of black films. So my passion is black stories, but telling them in a different way. Right. Yes, yeah, some of my stories might have trauma in it, but it's going to be written in a way in which that's... It's going to be a focus and you're going to take a take something away from it, but it's not... The ending of it isn't going to be as predictable or right. as like so, sorrow or depressing, where it's like, oh, this is like another... It's the same soppy story that we hear all the time. Mm-hmm. But then I also want to get into action. I want to get into documentaries. like, And I think that's good for us to have within the community. So like yeah. thinking about like creators like Shonda Rhimes and like Quinta Brunson Issa Rae, Jordan Peele like even looking at um like Michael B. Jordan, oh my man! <laughs> Even looking at him, <laughs> here you
1: go. Here she goes. Even
0: looking at him and like his director debut. Yeah, it's his like, director
1: debut was dope. You know,
0: hearing, hearing, seeing them on screen is one thing. Seeing people that are more so behind the camera in action is another thing. But then mm-hmm. hearing their interviews and watching their interviews and, and hearing where they they're coming from and how they got into that moment, it's never. One of those things where it's like, oh, I, you know, I grew up like this, so it just made sense. It's like, no, they also chase after different stories where the outcome is achievement. Sometimes it might be failure, but how it's written, it's going to give you a lesson Mm -hmm. in the end. So, like, when it comes to the industry and how there's a misrepresentation of, black creatives on and off the screen Mm -hmm. where do you think we are currently with that gap and how do you think your work will help fill that gap yeah i do think i think we
1: are getting better i think we are seeing more representation i think people like quinta Mm-hmm. Um, and Issa who are, are changing television, um, are helping that. I think the gap is that we, I think the gap is twofold. I think it's definitely in the industry not accepting more people of color in general, um, and especially, you know, black um, content creators. And I think because Hollywood thinks that the only kind of stories we make are those so I think that's the biggest gap is them assuming that those kind of stories are going to be what black creators want mm-hmm. and audience members want. Um, but there are a lot of people who want other things. I think the other part is we as, you know, a culture have to go for it. We shouldn't be scared to go out there and put ourselves out there. Yeah. I feel like that's big for me It's like, you know, I can harp on they're not being black producers all day. So what does that mean I need to do? Go be a black producer, right? right? So I think that's the other piece is that that's how I want to show up. Is like I chose this field. I chose this career. And I'm going to go in with a clear mind and go in and go after what I want and not mm-hmm. take no for an answer. Mm-hmm. I'm going to run through hurdles. I'm going to definitely fail sometimes. And that's Okay but i'm willing to put myself through that because i know that there is a little black girl right now being born that will see my face or Mm -hmm. hear about my work and be inspired to also do the same thing Mm -hmm. so i think it's part of the industry realizing that we're more than just our trauma stories um like the woman king was a phenomenal film Mm -hmm. that did not capitalize on trauma just black people being great and being warriors
0: and, and putting, fighting. And putting women and in putting the forefront. And women in the forefront, mm-hmm. right? And so
1: that's the other part is women coming together um, in the industry to bring up other women. Mm-hmm. I think that's another part of it is like the people that are currently in the industry, when you start seeing us content creators that are young, don't make this, this I'm royalty, so you got to work like I did to get here. No, mentor people. Yeah. Become... Uh, another person or another connection for them to get up because I think that's how we grow is by knowing other people to help other people get those connections Yeah, Um, and that's something that I can't wait to be it's like when I'm in my routine when I'm in my career and I come and visit college campuses as a guest speaker and I meet those those young black you know people who are trying to get to where I am I'm giving them my card and saying give me a call shoot Mm -hmm. me an email Mm -hmm. I can put you in connect with somebody and I think that's a big part and for me as a storyteller i think one of the things i want to redefine is that genre of like you can be in any genre you do not have to be glued to one mm-hmm. and if there's one you're passionate about go after it
0: mm-hmm.
1: um i don't want people to be like oh asha's a rom-com filmmaker i'm not I have no interest in making those. (laughs) I'm sorry to say it. No disrespect to rom-coms, because there's some funny ones, but I think that story is outdated, personally. Like, I think there are a lot of rom-coms that have the same formula, and it's like, this is just another version of that same movie. Um, But I want people to know, like, I want people to define me as, oh, have you heard about that producer who's deeply rooted in science fiction and fantasy and dystopian films? And, you know, like, one of my favorite movies of all time is The Book of Eli. Like, the way that story is told and it's it literally is about pandemic, like, it's so good and Denzel gave an amazing performance and I think because that movie just shows the world being in this corruption and in this disarray, like, it was just like that's so cool, what if we ever got to this, you Mm -hmm. know? I also just want a lot of my stuff to be about escapism and, and taking myself away from this earth that we're in and being able to escape to other you know, universes that allow people to just breathe instead of the hardships that we face here. Yeah. So I definitely think that a part of it is people in the industry now not assuming what I'm going to do, but letting me come and show up and do it. But then also me having the courage to, like, go on the journey and be on the path.
0: I love that. And I think, too, like, what I've been noticing lately is the the gap is changing for the better because like looking at Ava DuVernay and um oh my god I'm blanking on her show that was on OWN um oh my god who Ava DuVernay show that was on OWN. um what is the name of that show oh my god Gonna go. I'm gonna redo that. Come well, on, when they see us. No, um, Queen Sugar, mm. so yeah, I'm gonna start that over. But yes, I love that you said that. Um, and I think that the gap is being slowly closed, mm-hmm. <laughs> right. by people that have already been in the industry because they're not going unnoticed. Like, mm-hmm. we, we can we see them and we hear them and we appreciate. What they're doing for us, upcoming filmmakers, because they're passing the baton to Tuts, us. Yeah, and so once that's passed to us, it's going to be our job to one fill their shoes, to mm-hmm. create our own shoes, and then three pass the torch pass more. that torch and those shoes to the next generation. generation. And so looking at people like Ava DuVernay and how, like with Queen Sugar, I had. Watched an interview with I think one of the directors. Um, she is an upcoming director. And she's worked on like P Valley, she's worked on Queen Sugar, she's worked on a couple other things as well. But she um, was saying that every single episode of Queen Sugar was directed by a woman. Mm-hmm. And Avery Duvernay made it a point to only. Call on um, directors that are women, yeah, and then they're also like women of color, right. so you might have like um, a woman from India directing an episode. you might have a black woman doing this episode, you might have an Asian woman doing this episode, and um, she I remember she was saying like she she did that to one help bridge the gap with black representation, but also bridge that gap with women, women. yeah. Um, and giving and showing them in a positive light and she was mm-hmm. like it's nothing against men it's nothing against their abilities to direct and she was like every single episode is directed by a woman on purpose right and then she was also saying like some of those women who've directed one episode or more some of them some of those women that was their first like debut mm-hmm. like coming straight off of like a college that or just doing you know some little work over the, the past few years prior and i appreciate that or looking at this show that i just finished um season one of this show called reasonably doubt it's mm-hmm. a show on hulu yeah and um it's by onyx collections and they i just seen a video about not too long ago where they talked about the behind the scenes and every last single person on that crew was black. Mm -hmm. I mean the writer was black director, producer, cinematographer, camera operator, editor, like every last single person on that crew was black. And it was a reason why it was like that, not to exclude other people out, but to just give us the opportunity to, create magic and give us opportunity to show what we can do. Even looking at key TV, you know, Kiki Palmer's, you know, company, like she wants to create black content, not all rooted in anything that's given us negative depictions or, or being stereotypical, but she's putting black people in those roles behind the scenes because she's like, we're next. (laughs) So we have to feel, we have huge, shoes to fill right and so it's like we want to make sure that we're getting enough you know like practice on these sets and we want to make sure that we're creating stories no matter how good or bad it might be in that moment but it's preparing us to get to that next level to like push through that career so i definitely agree like you know that gap is it's changing but and we still have like a lot of work to do. Yeah, a we, lot of work. We to always do. will. Yeah. yeah. So, I have two more questions for you. Let's do it. Hmm. Which one do I ask first? Oh, okay. I'll do this one. Um. Do you have? Well, actually, I have three questions. Do you have any specific goals that you want to accomplish during your career? Hmm and it can be anything.
1: Um, I would say one is to open I do want to start a production company, but I it, I don't want it to be a um I want it to be a company that is able to fund films for underrepresented groups. So not even just black people mm-hmm. but folks that come from socioeconomic statuses that are different, um, people from Latinx cultures people from Asian American cultures people mm-hmm. from you know Middle Eastern cultures I, I don't I do want to create a place where people who don't always have the opportunities can be able to make a film right um, and I mostly want the company to just be literally like hey here's a studio and here's money and here's equipment and go make your film yeah um, I don't want to be a company that like tries to buy rights for people and then like makes it ourselves no I want to be able to Find you know creators and say, Why don't you come with my company? We will help fund it and you Mm -hmm. will do it. I don't want to impede on their like artistic journey, yeah. Um, so that's one goal for sure. Another goal, I want to create a scholarship for students who come from divorced households. Mm -hmm. Um, because sometimes even when you still have two parents, it's still hard to pay for school, yeah. Um, and like my parents were. Like, they were working-class people, so I didn't want to bother them with helping me pay for school. So I got my own scholarships, found my own grants, took out my own loans. That was my mm-hmm. journey. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wanted to—I just felt like there should have been more help because I didn't have a joint household. So when I was filling out financial aid, it was difficult because I didn't live in one place. Right. I had different homes. So I want to create a scholarship for— um, Kids who come from divorced families and are trying to go to college, not even be a filmmaker. Just like if you want to be an engineer, but your parents are divorced, here's a scholarship. Yeah. Um, And I would say the last goal um, for me um, as a producer, I would say to not neglect my own work, I guess. Like, Mm, I think as a producer, I'm so. It's natural for me to get somebody else's script and make it happen. Yeah, that's a no bad one, one ever asks me like, "Do you write?" I wouldn't say I'm a screenwriter. I will not take that title, but I have written my own work. I have three scripts right now of different content that I want to produce and direct because I do have experience in those areas. So I want to make sure that I still make things that I. Like, row. Yeah. And not get in this bubble of only helping people make theirs. That's so big. Because a lot of people think, oh, you're a producer, so why would you want to direct? Well, I've directed before. Right. I want to direct my own stuff, too. And why can't you do... And why can't I, right? Why can't you do Yeah. That? <laughs> and why would I not? Or, you know, I... I have no interest in being a cinematographer though I will not take that I do not want to touch the camera I know so that's, that,
0: that's I not, listen
1: I know names of cameras over. I know lenses I know the terminology but if someone's like do you want to get behind the camera and operate it absolutely not unless it's for TV Yeah. I could do TV cam op I do not no you, you're you like here's a Sony Venice operate this absolutely not
0: you'd be like Casey can you come in right. and, uh...
1: <laughs> there are some things in film that I'm like this is not my calling and I mm-hmm. truly do not want to step on the toes of oh, people for who, sure. who want. To do that for work sure. I yeah but I do want to be able to to take some of the work that I've created and and actually make it yeah. but I also don't want it to be this thing of like let me go hand it to someone to make like no I want to be a part of that process exactly. just because there are some pieces of work that I've worked on for years I've been building it since my undergrad career it's been stuck with me and I have an attachment to it and of course I know that I don't mind partnering people to make it come true but At the end of the day, I do want to say, like, this is the story that I wrote. This is yours. And I, you know, own Mm -hmm. it. Um, So, yeah, those are are my three goals.
0: I love it. And I I love that you said, um, like, just creating your own content. Because I think that with filmmaking, we do get stuck on everybody else's production which of course that's our job like yeah. we, it's, we, we gotta cool make our money we gotta build our resume we gotta grow our experience and build our skill sets <laughs> but taking that time out to work on your own content and like like even with me but like podcasting or photography that I do or right. like I'm not a screenwriter either like I don't want to take that title from actual people who like Eat, sleep, and breathe writing. Right. That's <laughs> their thing. But I do have things that, that are rather small that I'm working on, or I have like a a television show that I'm I've been developing for a year, and mm-hmm. I know it's going to take a lot more time to actually really flush it out. Right. But there are things that I want to do as well as a filmmaker. I don't only want to be a cinematographer. I want to dabble. And directing, I never know if I'm gonna get into producing, like you know, what I'm saying, yeah, like, of course, I want to find that one thing because you know, I feel like every filmmaker have, needs that one thing that they can continuously try to perfect, right? Yeah, but I there's nothing wrong with dabbling
1: in, in different others.
0: genres, or it's like, okay, I'm a director, but I don't want to direct this film, let me try to be like a co producer or something, let me try to just see. Other avenues that, I mean, it doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt. It's all a learning experience. So I appreciate you saying that because that that's a big one. Like taking the time out to create your own content because we have stories (laughs) too Mm -hmm. outside of just helping somebody else tell theirs. Right. Okay. So if you can name, uh, since this is a podcast that talks about like the black representation, Mm -hmm. can you name five? people um five black people in the industry creators writers directors actors mm-hmm. whoever that you will want to meet and work with um in your career ah. you can only name five doesn't have to be a specific order okay okay this is not that hard it's of a not question. hard okay because no. everybody was making like once everybody got to three and they like who am I say next? Because there's so many. No,
1: I I have always had that answer. Okay. Um. So the first one's an actor. Uh. His name is Reggae Jean Page. He's, he's a Bridgerton, Bridgerton. Mm-hmm. and in um a lot of Shonda Rhyme stuff. Uh. He's just a great actor, and I just really would love to and he's meet with easy him. Easy on the eyes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's yes, he's a beautiful right. human, but I think I would love to to act or at least either produce or direct something with him in it. Mm -hmm. Um, So he's definitely someone I would love to absolutely work with. Um, My second person is going to be another actress. Um, I mean, I... The thing is, I love her. Her name is Amandla Stenberg. She was in The Hate You Give. Mm-hmm. She plays Rue in um, Hunger Games. Mm-hmm. She's just a great actress. I think she's just really cool, and I would love to, like, vibe with her in any capacity. Um, so, yeah, I, I'd definitely be down to work with her. Um, I would, If I could team up with Jordan Peele on a film, absolutely.
0: That has to happen. I
1: would just—I think that would be great. Um... <laughs> I just I think me and him could vibe. I feel like we get in a room and we just like joke okay. all the time. He'd be awesome. Um, so that's three. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess my next person I would probably say Steve Harvey. I think he is really? so cool.
0: I love Uncle Steve.
1: I just I don't know but. if I would want to. I don't. It doesn't. I would. I don't even know if it's a film or just work with radio or like TV. I don't know. Maybe I just want to like. Meet him, I just think he's just got so much guidance and knowledge and knowledge about being in the entertainment industry. I think more I think it would just be more meeting him and just getting like l- listening to him talk about it mm-hmm. and and kind of getting some like feedback about how to how to exist um because I think he has a lot to offer. People are always stumped when I talk about him. I think he's so cool. Uncle Steve. I don't know Uncle why, Steve. but I think I think Steve Harvey is one of the coolest people on this planet. And First, he's
0: funny. He's hilarious.
1: I feel like he'll be a
0: good time.
1: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, Homie's great.
0: Nice little drink. A little And rock he would just keep it real. Yes. I
1: think that's the other part. is He would just keep it real with me. Mm-hmm. So I would just love to just consult with him about... How to continue on being in entertainment um because he just i don't know he just makes me laugh in any capacity so what is that for? that was for okay so then my last person well the second <laughs> the, the unfortunate thing is like the person who is technically last passed away Mm-hmm. Um, Chadwick. I, I know. Yeah, I knew
0: you, he was about to say no though. because he's literally.
1: It. I've been I've been following Chadwick for years. For his, I love remember when that I used to talk man. about him, but remember yes. I used to talk about him when oh we were God. like 2014, and he was the first yes. getting like, I mean, when like I saw 42. 42. Right, exactly. I don't <laughs> Just snap. Period. He right, way before he was <laughs> Black Panther. I've been following Chadwick Boseman for a while, yes, a very and long I've, time. All, I've seen get. I say I've seen Get On Up, I've seen Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, I've seen Forty Two, I've seen Third Good, I've seen Twenty One Bridge, I've seen it all. Everything. Well before he got to Black Panther. People act like Black Panther is the only thing. Like no. But I would have loved to been able to sit in a room and talk with him yes. and just I would love to have definitely directed him, but I would love to have done Black Panther. Um, okay. <laughs> but that leads me to my last person who i think next jordan peele is like my current hero in the industry and that's ryan coogler yep I Um, I you know how i feel about ryan (laughs) you know how i feel about ryan from creed to um fruitvale Uh to Mm -hmm. to black panther i mean he is just a really authentic human as a person as a creator and i would love to learn from him i would love to work on his set in any capacity Um, or just talk to him about his experience and and figure out like how do you do the things you do because he never missed he hasn't missed not once I don't think there's a film that I've seen of his where I'm like "Eh, he could have did this I feel like people have their their qualms with Wakanda Forever but personally I think with what he could Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> with what he had was so good. and with what he could do, I think he did it justice and he closed out our Chadwick chapter and he left room for us to enter a new era with Black Panther.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Don't get me on my Marvel life, but anyway, we're going to do another had, episode where we talk about yes, me and Marvel. And he
0: had those beautiful black women and they were were giving. yes and they were leading they were giving
1: so those are my five people Um, my honorable mention is Michael B but I try to stay in my lane because I know that's Casey (laughs) man but I would love to work (laughs) with him too I actually just pitched an idea and we had to give like a cast that we would um, like if we could get this made this TV show made who would be my cast Mm -hmm. and my I had Amanda Lesterberg in it I had Danny Glover Shirley Ralph, Michael B Jordan, mm-hmm. and China
0: McClain. Those were the
1: people Ooh, that I had in there. Love yeah. China McClain. And I was like, this is a great cast. Like I need to do this so. Yeah, those are my folks. Got you.
0: Okay. So, I always ask my guests to name their five first and then I do mine. Mine always changes. It's never the same. Some people stay the same, but then I feel like I know a couple. I feel of like them. it always like it changes, changes depending on her. Yeah. So, this episode, <laughs> of course, we have, like, the honorable mention of, like, Oprah. I feel like she's literally my blueprint. Mm-hmm. Like, she automatically counts, so she's not going to be in the five. Yeah, Oprah's But she's like, she's, like, everybody's she's, like, the blueprint, mom. Yeah. Literally. Um, I'm going to do my five, and I'm going to do two honorable mentions. So, I would say um, I would really love to work with... Cheryl Lee Ralph, mm-hmm. I think that she is absolutely amazing, and I've been following her since before Abbott came along. When she was in
1: um, God, what was that show with the kids she was in?
0: I mean, she did Moesha. She was um, it was one of the, She was a dream girl. Dream girl. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. She she's like amazing. Yeah. Quinta Brunson, I feel like she's always going to be on that list. Absolutely. And I've been following her career for a while as well. I remember when the video came out a lot Yes <laughs> <He got laughs> I, remember. Money. I remember that I absolutely she's also really good on black lady uh, Sketch show mm-hmm. I think like what she stands for, how humble she is like just her personality is something that I would really want to mm-hmm. be around. Um, it was somebody that you just named that is the same as mine. Oh my god, I'm gonna come back to that person. Um, I would also really love to work with Marseille Martin. Mm-hmm. I think that for her to be um, as young as she is, yeah. I feel like she's done so much. Like I think is she like the youngest? I think she's the producer, youngest producer. the youngest person to produce a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, she so has her head on like straight yeah and she knows exactly what she wants she drives for it and she's just a beautiful person inside and out mm-hmm. someone else i would really like to work with is um j alphonse nicholson mm. um you those who don't know he is he plays a little murder on p valley yeah and i think that i've also like followed him when he did the um story about Madame cj walker when he was on just mercy um, he's like a theater actor. He's been, you know, on Broadway and things like that. But I would really want to work with him, like sit down, and have a conversation with him because I think that he is absolutely phenomenal at what he does. Like MP he's Valley so was a underrated. And P Valley is my show. Shout out to Kasuri Hall. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and the last person I will say would be Oh, I stumped on my own question. You hit it it's completely different when you said Steve Harvey cuz that's a different one. I have not heard that yet. Um the last person I would want to work with would be Angela Bassett. Yeah. She <sighs> is I hope like, I get the chance to like her. her, I feel like Felicia Rashad, Loretta Divine. Mm-hmm. Like they are like they're the mothers, the mothers of Hollywood, mothers yeah, of Hollywood. Like Taraji, Taraji, you know Viola Davis, Kerry Washington, like Gabrielle Union. Like those are women who are like like it's so many people. Like yeah, I've used to I've named Denzel Washington a few times, um, and not to just count men out or anything, but it's like it's so no, many black like creatives right. mm-hmm. that you want to meet and work with. Um, so I think Angela Bassett. I feel like she is literally like my auntie in my head mm-hmm. she is like mother <laughs> of like the industry mother and she has done so much for us yeah the two honorable mentions both have sadly passed away will be Chadwick. i mm-hmm. was so heartbroken when he died i remember calling my dad and having a whole breakdown yeah i was that i was, cried that for was days because he was in grad school he when he died yes And then um, the other honorable mention is Cicely Tyson.
1: Oh, yeah. She was amazing.
0: I just absolutely adored her. Mm -hmm. And she, like, started. Yeah. She's the OG. She's, like, the black voice. (laughs) She's the OG. So, yeah. I think every every time I do an episode, it's, it's definitely going to change. But... I think we named some very profound people. people who are doing it, who have done it, and are continuing to do it. Mm-hmm. So last thing before we wrap. Last question. Um, what um, – how, how do I want to word this? This one is, like, off the fly. If you could give any advice to upcoming filmmakers – what would that be all filmmakers or producers all filmmakers but first but then specifically producers because that's your for
1: all for all film and television because i do want to work in tv um film and television makers i would say the biggest advice is stay true to who you are don't Mm -hmm. let the industry change you um I feel like a lot of times we, when you get into a job, it starts to kind of, like, make you into this person, mm-hmm. and you feel like you have to become that person because everyone else is like that. No, if you're a nice, kind human, continue to be that. Mm-hmm. Don't divert from that because then people don't want to work with you, and I don't want to ever be known as someone that people don't like to work with because yeah. of my attitude or my personality. Um I feel like I carry myself in a very classy and humbling way. So I mm-hmm. want people to know me like that. So I would tell people to never, you know, don't don't change the person you are. Don't become a harsher human. There's nothing wrong with changing your approach to how you address something or yeah. being or standing up for yourself, which we should do. But don't let the industry define how you show up in spaces. Cause for me I'm always about how my cast and crew feels at the end of the work day and I remember this because I was on a set one time recently and the energy on that set was just so positive like I couldn't believe it mm-hmm. I was like no one got hurt everyone got fed everyone was laughing everyone was cracking jokes and we got done we got done on time like it was such a relief to be yeah. on a positive, and it was three days, and all three days were like that. And I would like to say that I think most of it is because our lunch was not an ordinary lunch. It was like <laughs> jerk chicken and pasta for Period. one day. There was like a, a, a chicken and waffles brunch another day, and Period. I was like, "We are eating Eat um, down." Shout out to Messiah for that. Uh, his name was Messiah. He was a great director. Um, and so, yeah, I just tell people, like, don't don't let the industry change who you are. Yeah. For producers, I would say, do not let people walk over you. People look at me and think I'm their coffee runner. And I'm going to tell people right now, I will order some coffee, but I am not your personal... Right. Can you give me a cup of coffee with two creams and a sugar? Yeah. That's not me. Yeah. Right? Um, don't let people think that you are just a thing. Like... I am a producer, yes, but I am a content maker. I'm a filmmaker. Mm-hmm. I'm a television maker, mm-hmm. right? But I don't let directors just look at me as their, like, to-do list human, although I do love a good to-do list. Um, but as producers, remember that this film doesn't happen without you.
0: Yeah,
1: I have seen people not have a producer on set. And their whole entire film was all over the place yeah and then I've seen people with a producer and it's like everything is thought out don't let people look at you like you just somebody's assistant cuz you're not films don't happen without a producer backing it you need someone back there that's gonna think of the inevitable yeah. right like I should be the way I want my sets to run is that if I'm driving home in a snowstorm and I got set tomorrow, if for some reason, God forbids, I crash, I know that my crew can still wake up tomorrow mm-hmm. and make the film, mm-hmm. and I not be there. So I want to make sure I leave that mark on the directors, and the cinematographers, and the writers, right. and the production designers that I work with. Like, I'm entrusting everyone to show up and show out, but I'm not going to let anybody just treat me in any old kind of way. And yeah. as producers, you should not. Because our job is sometimes the hardest. We're also the person that has to say no and hold directors accountable. You can't just get a crane shot because where are you going to get money for that crane? Who's paying for that crane? Right? So don't let people just throw you into a ground and you're just the producer. I've been hearing that lately from some folks and it's like, no, I am not just a producer. I am the reason that this film is either going to happen or not. Yeah. So that is my advice to producers is make sure people know your job and know and respect you enough to respect your job right if i hear on my set that something's unsafe is happening i'm shutting it down and nobody should argue with me because ultimately that's my butt right like if somebody gets hurt on set they're going after the producer that's why that whole thing with alec Baldwin like the producer is getting nailed for it.
0: Mm-hmm. Even
1: though it was other people involved. That's still your name on it. And right. those and you are liable for what happens to those people. So yeah. And the second thing I want to say to producers is please, please, please care about the people that you work with. Care about who you hire. Go after that with grace because you don't know what those people are doing or stopping in their life to work with you. Yeah. So please care for those folks and make sure that they are having a good time. And if they're not, you're listening to their concerns and you're doing something about it. There are people who have complained to me about something and I go immediately to the director and I say, just so you know, this is what happened and it, you need to do better. Right. Because I want that person to know that I heard them and I did something about you it.
0: Care about them. And I
1: cared mm-hmm. about them, right? That's exactly why that strike happened is that people were not caring about those crew members and cast members. Don't overwork them, Yeah. but also show them that, like, there is someone on set that cares about you yeah. as a human, yeah. not as a not as the person showing up to come work as a bodily human who has a family to get back to and needs rest. You know, so th- that would be my advice.
0: That is so beautiful. That was very well said. And I appreciate you for your honesty And. For sharing your story today. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. <laughs> I hope some people will be like. I me. learned something from this. It's is my girl. Let me reach out to her to produce something. <laughs> <laughs> well, everyone, this concludes episode three of Black Creative Sec Hollywood. Conversations on industry representation from the perspective of black storytellers. I am your host, Casey Davis, and again, this podcast is being brought to you by my production company, Black Mind Productions. If you don't already follow this platform, just go on Instagram and search at Black Mind Productions, hit that follow button, scroll through, see some content, turn on your updates and alerts, like something, share something, comment on something, and be on the lookout for more content. If you are not on Instagram, you can also go on Facebook. And just type in Black Mind Productions, and the same content from Instagram will be there as well, especially for like my older audience members. Hey, Daddy.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Mama. Hey, Mr. D and Mrs. D.
0: (laughs) So, yes, I want to thank everyone for coming back for another episode, and I hope that you all have liked it, you learned something from it, and if you are a future filmmaker listening, I hope that asha gave you some great insight on what to do we're a dream team right here we've been in this thing davis and davis for 12 years now (laughs) so yeah um again asha thank you so much for for joining
1: yes thank you for having me good luck to others and if anyone wants to work on a project um they can follow me as well um, at underscore luna underscore sunshine underscore on instagram and just look up Asha Davis. I come up pretty often. There's not many people that got the same name as me. So, um, yeah, I'm excited. And hopefully everyone continues to make some good content. And thank you, Casey, for all the content you're coming out with. I know you've thank got you. a lot of projects you're doing and finishing your degree. So congrats on doing that. And very, very proud of you for that work. because. I've been there since day one. Period. I know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and thank you for being supportive. And same too, I wish you well with everything. We we live in the same spot, so we're going to always we see each corner. other. <laughs> but, you know, we got things to do and we have projects to work on. So yes. to everyone out there listening, um, again, thank you all so much for the love, for the support, for the feedback. And I cannot wait to bring you back for episode four with a very special guest so again who's the guest for four easton gray <laughs> another best writer and upcoming producer and one of my dear friends um so yeah that's going to be an exciting episode that so, will be a good episode yes. yeah. easton's pretty cool he, he's okay he's okay <laughs> thank you all so much for listening and supporting and i love you all until next time Bye.